This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and this is episode 94. In tonight's show, is EdTech failing to keep our kids safe? Strategic Wi-Fi upgrades, six EdTech tools to try, and EdTech pizza. And our featured resource is 1Password, so stay tuned for that. We are not streaming live again. I'm going to continue to record and just post on YouTube and Facebook until we can get that streaming figured out for a regular time. I figure if we're going to be streaming, we should probably be doing it at a consistent time. So if we can do that, then we'll start streaming live. No Christy again, as she is enjoying her summer off to the fullest, I would say, which is what all of the teachers try to do and hopefully are doing. Hopefully you're enjoying it to the fullest, especially since summer is coming to an end. But um, let's not get too down about that. Let's begin, as we always do, with the EdTech News Rundown. In our first story, a blog post on OZ.com asks if EdTech is failing to keep our kids safe. This has been and will continue to be a very hot topic in the EdTech world. And I think this is about four shows in a row now where we have had this story like this on and it's easy to believe that the little guys in the edtech world are the ones who are not dealing well with security and safety. But this article references identity thefts from FAFSA being hacked. And if you're not familiar in the higher ed world what FAFSA is, if you don't have a kid that's about to go to college or something like that, free application for federal student aid websites. So yeah, big companies are also vulnerable and perhaps more so since hacking them often provides a much bigger payday for hackers. They also reference a survey we talked about that I found that found about half of the 100 most used edtech apps allow some sort of public sharing of children's data. And there's also the revelation that the majority of edtech platforms that use ads, and there actually aren't that many of them that do, thankfully, but those few that do actively don't filter their content. So that's another thing to be concerned with. Popular EdTech platforms like Class Dojo and CodeMonkey, they do take privacy really seriously and they consult with top privacy experts. But far too many aren't taking it seriously or aren't being transparent about how they protect and store data. Even those that are only collecting emails and a password still possess valuable data to a lot of hackers. Phishing scams work against adults too. So protecting the students' emails and educating them on security is also extremely important. Now, our featured segment today happens to be a password management system that helps with personal security, so stay tuned for that. Let's move on to our next story. This is an EdTech Magazine article, and it talks about how higher ed IT leaders are getting more strategic about campus wireless coverage. In episode 90, we actually talked about this with the new AX wireless protocol, and it should be available in the next year or so. It is always a frustrating problem when figuring out how to improve a network with limited funds, and this article asserts that upgrading the entire system may be the way to go. They reference a couple higher ed institutions who did just that. Clark University standardized on a single vendor and replaced everything with brand a brand with a cer- uh, the same brand, excuse me, of switches and access points. Their contention is the inefficiency of their network, coupled with adding access points that were mismatched, ended up being a more time and money killing effort than simply ripping everything out of the room by room and replacing it with matching high performing equipment. They don't mention if a study was done on the five year cost of completely replacing versus fixing and adding as needed, but we can assume they thought that the new and matching system was a better value. There are some more technical pieces to this article if it's your jam, but the gist of it is that they believe strategic planning for a new system 
is far more efficient and effective than the costly inefficiency of patched systems. I mean, if you have the money to do it, then I think it's a no-brainer, but definitely do some cost analysis to see which one is best. Because I know that there's not tons of money out there uh, to upgrade systems. If you have it, I would say trying to be consistent is going to only help. Our next story, and we're referencing a podcast, and it's called The Cult of Pedagogy. If you haven't checked that out, you should. It's a pretty awesome podcast, and I love that name, too. Um, In an episode they did earlier this year on six ed tech tools to try in 2018. And while this is an older podcast, I thought it might be interesting to see if you have tried them. Um, And if I had as well, honestly. And if not, then we still do have some time before 2018 is over to try them. And maybe in the beginning of the next school year. First on the list is Flipgrid. And we talked about that recently uh, becoming free through Microsoft. So hopefully you've at least checked that out. The next five are Insert Learning, which helps you turn web pages into a lesson. Uh, Book Creator, which allows students of any age to create, publish, and share online books. Newseumed, which has an incredible collection of primary sources. AutoDraw, which is a tool that has AI guess what you're drawing. And finally, Sway, which is a Microsoft web app that allows you to make presentations that feel maybe a little bit more like a modern website. So, have you tried any of these tools? Tweet us at 4techteachers at the number 4techteachers or feel free to email us at edtechweekly at gmail.com and tell us how you feel about them and how you use them. And uh, give Cult of Pedagogy a listen and check out their website and that's at www.cultofpedagogy.com and it's definitely got some cool ways to access some really helpful information. All right, let's get on to our fourth story. In this story, an EdTech Magazine article explains how to bake professional development into your education pizza. This article has all the fixings you need to create a fulfilling EdTech program. Oh, the puns are definitely working today, at least for this article anyway, as their section titles get in on the puns too. Section one is that professional development is a foundation that you need, K-N-E-A-D, uh, this has to have been written by a dad. That's my guess. Only dads have this kind of pun power and are shameless enough to wield it, and we are. If you enjoy a good pun or an okay pizza ed tech program analogy, then definitely check this one out. It delivers. Oh, yeah, I did it again. And I'm actually kind of sad that Christy isn't here to do that you know, patented groan whenever I do my uh, dad jokes or dad puns. But let's get to the content here, which is, I think, worth your time. Uh, professional development should be the foundation, not an afterthought when it comes to ed tech, something we've been saying for quite some time on this show as well. Digital training resources for extra support should be included, and that is also awesome. We need people to be able to expand their knowledge when they want to and when they're able to, which means most likely it's going to have to be an online source. And then finally, you want to see if you can get that expert to maybe come in and tie it all together. So. You know, we at EdTech Weekly really do love this concept, and I think uh, most probably who listen to this agree that this is a good way to build an EdTech program, but funding can also be an issue. So as we've mentioned before, you know, see if you can talk to these EdTech vendors and see if you can get them to bake some of these things in as one would a pizza. I'm sorry, I had to keep going with that one. Professional development, quality, and continuous is required to truly have a successful EdTech initiative, and that's really... You know, I think what probably all of us who are into, into ed tech feel, uh, maybe it's a lot of times the money, but again, maybe we can impress upon the vendors to do that stuff. All right, well, if you're interested in any of the articles from the show or the upcoming featured segment, go ahead and check out edtechweeklyshow.com for the links. 
Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, I'll have the links in the comment section in the descriptions, actually, so you can check those out there, too. Feel free to email the show to contact us, edtechweekly at gmail.com, and uh, hit the subreddit at edtechweekly.reddit.com, and we post some things there as well, and we encourage you to do that, too. And then, of course, uh, yeah, Twitter, at 4TechTeachers or at Christian Warren, or email us at edtechweekly at gmail.com, like I said. All right, so let's get it to our featured segment. And that is 1Password. Now, as we've been doing with our featured segments, let's go through it. What is it? Well, it's a password management system, not a notebook and paper. That's not an, that's not an acceptable password management system. Uh, I had a former coworker. I will not name names, uh, but actually be using that, and it just made me go crazy. Uh, this is a digital system. It has lots of built-in ways to keep your password safe, including two-factor authentication just to get into it. Um, and it makes them easy to update too, and it tells you if they're just not up to par. So who or why should you use it? Uh, I think just about everyone should be using a password management system at this point. Uh, using your dog's name or anniversary or birthday just isn't excusable anymore. It's just far too easy for hackers. And um, I think that these things make it a lot easier. So 1Password or any of the other higher rated ones that you see, do some research on them, but the ones that are really highly rated usually do a good job. So I think at the end of the day, when it comes down to trying to keep everything secure, something like this is good. And I also recommend that teachers mention this type of an option to students. Um, you know, as, a, as part of their digital citizenship or just in passing when we're talking about personal security and safety, it's important. All right, so now how do we use 1Password? Well, I've been using it for quite some time and I love it. It's an app that can be used on all platforms. Uh, PC, Mac, iOS, Android, just about anywhere um, you can have this. You log into your program on the computer and you can add an extension to your web browser if you want. It makes it a little bit easier to do passwords that are in your web browser. Um, and it'll just tell you also like a lot of great things like when those passwords need to be updated and if they're too weak. Um, you know, and I'm going to do uh, a video segment on this as well. I've got two of them that are coming up this week. Uh, the UCF... Um, Objective Builder that we talked about in the last show, and then also this 1Password. I'm going to do another video on that, and that'll, those will be up on YouTube this week, so look for those. Um, just to show you the basics of it and how to use it. But I've had a lot of really good experience with 1Password so far. It is my password manager of choice, and I definitely recommend it. No one, uh, literally no one pays me for this. So uh, it's just something that I use and I enjoy. It does cost a fairly minimal, in my opinion, monthly fee of like 2 or $3.00 but I think it's well worth it when it comes to your security. So that does it for today's show. Um, if you have any questions, once again, you can uh, contact us at edtechweekly at gmail.com. Um, Twitter, again, at 4TechTeachers or at Christian Warren. And uh, yeah, check out edtechweeklyshow.com. You can give us a review on iTunes. That'll help as well. Um, but that's about it. So we'll see you next time on Ed Tech Weekly.